Welcome to My Not Matters here on The Decoding, brought to you by Shock, Safe, and Lock. Today, I'm pretty excited to have an interview with the superintendent of the Minot Public School District, Dr. Mark Vollmer. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Great to be here. So there was some pretty big news that happened recently, and that was this rumor that you're retiring. And it's more than a rumor, of course, because there's actually resignation that's in place. But that's, first off, thank you for your many years of service. And we have it written down that you've 13 years as superintendent and 22 years in the Minot Public School District. What a career. You know, I'm blessed uh, to be a part of a great school district for this long. It's been a great experience, and I wouldn't change a thing. Absolutely. You started out as a teacher in Willow City? No, actually, I started my career as a teacher in Yuma, Arizona. Yuma, Arizona. Yeah. Wow. Um, in those years when I was out of college, uh, teaching jobs in North Dakota were hard to come by. And okay. It seems really odd because right now we have such a teacher shortage. Right. But yeah, it was hard to get a job and when you didn't have experience. So I, like many of my peers, we went south. We went to Arizona. I had friends who went to Texas. Okay. Um, and yeah, worked down there for a couple of years and came back. Uh, then I spent six years in the Turtle Mountain Indian Reservation where I was uh, the in-school suspension supervisor. And uh, I worked with special needs students and I also worked in the office handling discipline referrals for a year. Uh, then to my hometown of Willow City where okay. I was a principal and social studies teacher. Uh, that was interesting because a, yeah. uh, a lot of the teachers that were there were my teachers when I was in high okay. school. So when I would be hard on kids, they were real quick to remind me that, you know, <laughs> I wasn't perfect. Right. The day. Uh, and then started in 2002 in Minot, assistant principal of Magic City for three. Okay. Uh, head principal for six years. And now, yeah, year 13 as superintendent. Wow. What what a career. Yeah. It's, it's been wonderful. And, and, you know, when we add them all up, I think it's around 34 or 35 years or something like that. That's incredible. Never, I'm, never a regret. I'm sure you've seen a lot of change that's happened in those 34, 35 years. What, what are a few of the changes that you that stood out to you? Well, I'm a lot older and fatter, certainly. <laughs> uh, I think some of the changes, you know, one of the biggest things is, is education is cyclical. Okay. Uh, when I began in my career in education, we were really heavily based on teaching reading through phonics and phonemic awareness broke away from that, went to a whole language approach, and now we're right back to phonics and phonemic. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing that has remained relatively consistent are kids. Right. Um, You know, kids, they maybe uh, dress a little differently or they might have different hair or different, but kids are kids. And I always said if I could have a career working with kids, um, I wouldn't go wrong. Right. Pretty great. What got you into the line of teaching? Obviously, it's something that you pursued even moving out of state to do? Yeah, I went to, to UND. I was going to be an international business and finance major because I had a lot of family and friends that say, don't ever be a teacher. Okay. Uh, you're never going to make any money. You're right. never going to like it. Uh, and But I always wanted to be a teacher. Uh, and yeah. I realized after my first semester at UND, I spent uh, um, my history classes are what I loved. And then I got the degree in history and, uh, and the teaching certification and as well and then also driver's ed so i spent a lot of years uh teaching driver's ed at different schools around the state in the summer too so yeah yeah it's been it's been an interesting thing but you know what my first love was is what i landed back in and that was education education very good so beginning 
uh, right around 2010 or so, uh, you became superintendent of the Minot Public Schools. Yeah, July 1st. July 1st, 2011. Right 2011. The flood, yeah. There you go. Yeah, that big time. Uh, there was obviously a lot of intense things going on. Before we talk about the flood, we'll spend some time talking about that because that had to be quite the introduction. What what did it actually mean to be superintendent to you personally, but also to the role that you played um, in the school system in Minot? Yeah. You know, I had a career in Minot. I, I loved my time in Magic City, and I, I loved working with kids. I knew that the superintendency was going to be different uh, because you're no longer working directly with kids. But right. You, you try to create the conditions uh, for people to work with kids. So I, I, I took a leap of faith and I applied. I was at the state hockey tournament in 2011 when I got the call asking me to take the position. Wow. Um, had lots of dreams and aspirations of what I was going to do in those days. And uh, after I took over, but that was all changed because of the flood. Because of the flood. Yeah. And that had to be a very difficult situation to work through. Um, what What's the flood, COVID? I'm sure those are two high or low points, but what were some of the things that proverbially or literally kept you up at night during, as, as superintendent when thinking of the school system? Outside of those two things? Yes. Uh, you know, I think the, the things that have probably concerned me the most are finding ways to meet the needs of, of students, especially struggling students. Right. Um, we need our kids to be able to read. We need our kids to be able to do math. And if you're going to be successful in this world, you have to have certain core skills. Right. Uh, and it's tough because kids come to us with all different levels of uh, understanding and knowledge and ability. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's our job to make them productive members of society with parents to move that through. Right. Those are probably the things that, that worry me the most. How do we meet the needs of kids in an ever-changing world? Right. And uh, the needs are great. Yeah. And uh, we have a lot of outside factors, you know. Um, we have a lot of concerns with drug use and abuse in our yes. community, like every other community. Right. Uh, we read about human trafficking. We read about all of these things. And sometimes our world isn't as safe as when I was growing up. Right. But how do we support kids? How do we work through that with, and work with families to make sure that kids have every opportunity possible? So Absolutely. That's the crux of what I've focused right. my work on past years i'm sure it's an incredible accomplishment when you're able to see some of those that you you had to worry about um being assets to the community years later you know we have uh many um of our teachers were former students of mine wow uh, that's pretty awesome or not that is I'll see parents and they'll be at their school with their littles and their former students right it's a nice thing and that's a great part about being in a school system as long as i have right many friends and uh, people in the community. And I hope I've left a positive impact on them. Right. Uh, and that I'll be remembered favorably as right. a superintendent. So you started right, right during the time of the flood. Um, and just what a difficult situation. Um, I believe that Perkett was a, one of the only schools that was kept mostly safe. Um, that was in the impacted areas. Um, just what, what was that just complete overwhelm? What was that like to be in that situation right away? Well, you know, there's a couple of things. Uh, one is that we had uh, my wife and I had a very, very uh, good friends, a couple that mm -hmm. lost a daughter during that time, and uh, it put it in perspective. We're going right. to rebuild this thing and we're going to be fine. It's but, true. You know, those friends were never going to see their daughter again. Right. Um, the other part of it is, is 
okay, when you take over a school system and half of it's sitting in water, what else can you screw up? <laughs> yeah. Right? right. So we just worked really well together with the city and the county uh, and FEMA. FEMA was a challenge from time to time, but we right. were able to get through it and, and make it work. And yeah, I still remember back in those days working with Alan Walter and Kurt Zimbelman and yes. so many other people. Right. But now when I see Deanna Criswell being interviewed on um, on Fox News or wherever, she's yeah. down there in Florida and she's like the national director of FEMA. Deanne was boots on the ground in Minot and wow. we worked with her regularly during that time. So, you know, at the end of the day, a tragedy, no doubt, mm-hmm. um, but it we got through it as a community. Right. right. And that's one thing that's very strong uh, that has been said many times about Minot is the strength of our community to bind together during yeah. those difficult times. Um, did Was there much impact on learning? I'm sure there was a lot of adjustments in the classrooms, how the classrooms had to be set up. Did you guys see an overall impact on learning for, for the kids during that time? We saw a lot of impact on learning. We saw, especially with the littles, um, you know, a lot of those kids that normally would be going home and, you know, the parents would read to them and they'd do a little right. homework and they'd get to bed at a normal time and, you know, we had families that were living in a FEMA trailer outside their house and they were working in their home until they couldn't work in their home anymore and then right. they would come in and sleep. So I think some of that was really hard on family and family structures. Yeah. Um, one of the most heart-wrenching things for me was when we had Lincoln over at Presbyterian Church and there was a little boy in the hallway crying and, and I asked, what's wrong? He said, well, my teacher said I needed to bring my boots today. This is now the start of winter. She, she says, I don't have any boots. Wow. I don't know where my boots are. Yeah. So things like that. Right. And, you know, people pull together and help yeah. a lot. Right. But I think for for kids, especially the smaller kids, understanding the, the whole makeup of that and right. what that was, you know, yeah. a family losing their home and being uncertain about, you know, how much support would be there from FEMA or right. whatever. So absolutely. Strong communities survive many things. Yeah. Well said. A second difficult thing that you had to lead through was COVID. And, of course, this is one of those things that's even more, almost more so out of your control than the flood and that there's measures being taken by city, by state, that federal, that all come down on you and the decisions that you're able to make. And then also it puts you into a precarious situation because you had incredible pressure from parents on both sides that were saying, this is the way we should do it. And the other side, other people are saying, no, this is the way we should do it. And very strong feelings that were held by other things, everybody. And obviously for you, you're just like, we just want what's best for the kids. That That's what our, our uh, decisions hinge on. And then you also had the activists that were getting involved in this from a politi- trying to politicize the whole thing as well. How do you feel like that situation went? Do you feel like it was handled... To use the word best would be probably an overreach because we can all look 2020 and say we could do this better. But overall, what, what's your general feel of how that situation was handled? Well, I think it's real easy to look back in retrospect and say, you know, gosh, we right. overreacted. We didn't, whatever. Yep. Um, the governor called me down uh, to Grant, uh, to Bismarck uh, to do a press conference with him right. uh, back in 20, March of 20. And we went down, we talked about it. You know, we went from no case in the state of North Dakota to one case in Ward County. And we even shut down the state class, a basketball tournament that wow. week. So it was just pandemonium. 
Yep. We got down there. Nobody knew what to expect. We were hearing these horror stories from all around the United States of right. people dying. And you know, we were relatively uh, free of it here. Mm-hmm. Now, my youngest son um, and his bride were married in July of 2020. Okay. And there was a lot of tears and a lot of decision-making in regard to should they have the wedding or right. not. We don't know. Um had the wedding here in mine at the sleep in probably 500 people there. Nobody got COVID. We were right. okay. But in uh, September of that year, it was like we had released the hounds of hell. Right. Uh, and we had so many COVID cases and, and people getting really, really sick. So yeah, we were the only class A school in the state of North Dakota that stayed open that 2021 20, school year. We came wow. back in the fall. We were open every day. Um, we had a very robust team of educators, teachers, principals, um, community members that helped guide us through. We had structures in place to do what we could do. Um, but those were tough years. I mean, we ended yeah. up, had a lot of people out on, on quarantines or isolation. Uh, a lot of kids out, um, like all of us, I think we had people, we knew people that we lost in COVID. Absolutely. We lost some staff members due to COVID. Um, not easy stuff so in retrospect looking back did we overreact or not i'm i'm not entirely sure right i do know and i do think that i'm grateful for all the people that were willing to come to the table and talk about it right because we had a lot of stuff going on and a lot of people that you know just rolled up their sleeves and went to work right that's important yeah we got through it um tough tough years a lot of Every quarantine letter, every isolation letter was developed by me, wow. the entire district. Um, my take was, even though I was at district office, um, I was going to do everything I could to support principals and teachers right. in this. And uh, it's huge. Real busy, busy years. Have you seen any lasting impacts from it? Uh, definitely, I think, in regard to learning loss. A lot of those kids, you know, when we were in that heavy bout of covid in the fall of 20 and spring of 21, um, we had a lot of people that were, you know, first of all, they missed three months of school or two and a half mm-hmm. months of school in right. the spring of 20. Uh, and then that next year, we had a lot of people that were out because, you know, teachers weren't teaching or teaching from home or kids were isolated. So we missed a lot of instruction time. We're really trying not to focus on like COVID learning loss, but just mm-hmm. to say, here's where kids are at right now and let's work on making progress moving right. forward. But yeah, definite impacts. I think one of the biggest impacts I've noticed is that kids, um, that social component was yeah. really kind of gone for them right. during that time and, and for adults too. Right. Um, I have an aunt that died during the COVID year there uh, in 21. Um, she didn't die of COVID, but she was in a nursing home and we didn't have access to her for right. months and months. It's so, difficult. You know, th- there's a lot of things that, you know, those are the long-lasting effects that I they think are. That we don't necessarily understand. And right. Somebody will have a great dissertation topic in, in the future. And yeah. We'll look back in 20 years and know a lot more about it than we do now. Right. Absolutely. Did you see any potentially positive impacts from, from remote learning as well, from there being uh, sometimes? So an example would be Zoom. That was something that was just there. And then now... People are always using Zoom for, for meetings rather than all getting together. Was there any positives like that that were able to be found either either on the learning side or from the, the working together on the teacher side? Absolutely. You know, um, 
we had a lot of technology available for our kids. I don't think we really were forced to use it until everybody went home and then you had to use it. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, there's a lot of meetings that I attend um, on a regular basis or used to drive to and attend, mm -hmm. and now we're, we're virtual. Right. Um, even the legislative session, I spent a lot of time down at the legislature. Um, I prefer to be down there physically yeah. at the legislature. But now... You know, uh, our patrons throughout the state of North Dakota can watch every legislative session. They can watch right. every committee hearing. They can be an active part of that yeah. uh, where you never could have done that before. So, right. yeah, we learned a lot. And yeah. Yeah. you get to be better at technology and using technology as a tool, not not right. the thing. No. But yeah. still, we still need an opportunity from time to time where we are looking each other in the Absolutely. face, eye to eye. Right. Like we are now, not yes. everything can be done on a computer screen. Right. Yeah. Somebody told me some people are powered by what technology can do. So they're like enamored by it and others are using it as a tool so that way they can actually broaden things. And that's the key right there. Use it as yeah, a tool. Absolutely. And I remember we had that discussion years and years ago, probably before you were born, <laughs> when the internet uh, first came out and like I said, well, this is so cool. You can have a computer and you can pull up the right. encyclopedia and you can look at it online and I said, or I can walk over and I can grab an encyclopedia and have the same impact. Absolutely. But we, we've just got to be better at using technology and our teachers are good at that. And right. our kids are good at it. We tell teachers all the time, if you can't figure out how to do something, ask a kid. They're right. going to be able to do yeah. it for you. It's incredible. I have a two-year-old and it's, it's sad. I, I, we try to keep technology away from them, but Somehow he still gets his hand on that technology and he knows his way around the yeah. phone and stuff way too well. It's incredible how easily it, it comes to them. It's a lot of research about that right now that's a bit of a concern because, you know, like kids don't understand that process necessarily of turning a page, but they recognize how to swipe. Okay, yeah, so, that is yeah. that is interesting. That is concerning. Um, those are some of the difficult times that you had to lead through, but there have also been some incredible times of success uh, for the Minot Public Schools as well over the last few years. Um, one of those areas is sports. Uh, Minot has become very competitive on the state level in a lot of sports. Um, there's the new high school that's coming in. What are some of the areas of success that stand out to you? Oh, boy. Um, 22 years. Um, of course, the sports teams, you know, just mm -hmm. back three back-to-back -back state class A boys championships in basketball, uh, three back-to-back -back, uh, girls soccer championships. We've had uh, success of our students uh, on the stage, on the field, uh, in music competitions. Mm -hmm. um, many, many good things. Um, the new high school, wow. Right. You know, we went from 1969 to 2014, 45 years with no pass bond issue, passed the Holden bond issue in 14, uh, passed the big one in 21 to build the new high school and the changes mm -hmm. to Magic City and Central. Um, those are all big. I think the biggest thing is, is the fact that we are doing so much for kids right. and we have so many opportunities for them to be successful in this crazy, crazy world. Right. Uh, that includes work experiences. Uh, it includes CTE opportunities. I mean, we've just put in a CDL simulator and we're okay. teaching kids um, that might want to be a CDL driver, over-the-road driver. They're going to have that opportunity to get that training. In high um, school. In high school. This isn't your father's Oldsmobile anymore, right? right. Yeah. I mean, we have classes, auto repair, auto collision. 
welding, and we're turning out great welders. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we have food nutrition careers classes, medical careers. Wow. So kids have just this incredible option, right? Right. To be out there to learn a little bit and experience some things in high school before they go and invest a bunch into a college, right? Uh, and then decide, wow, that's not something that I really want to do or like. So, if if there's anything that to me has been the most incredible thing is that we've number one seen a pretty nice increase in our graduation rate. We're graduating about ninety percent of our kids in four years. Many of them are coming back as a super senior, we like to say, and finish up that next year. Uh, but our kids are leaving with wow. an incredible amount of skill right. and opportunity. And I always said, firm believer, grow where you're planted. I right. was raised in Willow City, uh, graduated from Willow City in a class of 22, and that was a big class for Willow City. Wow. Um, but wherever you grow, yeah. you know, wherever you're planted, grow. Right. Do the best you can. And, uh, but I think we've provided some pretty wonderful opportunities for yeah. kids. Kim has been up to the new high school a couple times, and he has gushed about the hands-on experience that is going to be provided through the things that are going on. I, I, from my understanding, a daycare um, area, a the, the CDL you mentioned. Where, where did the, some of these ideas come from? We're actually developing specifically for this stuff. Um, I have worked with great people, mm-hmm. great school boards, great community leaders. Pam Strokeland is our uh, CTE director. You know, she's boots on the ground. She's working with other folks. Uh, that whole idea about the CTE centers kind of actually came from Pam and I going down and stopping in the legislature a couple of years ago, okay. uh, pitching an idea. You know, can we use, uh, can we support this work? Can right. we make this happen? And, you know, lo and behold, it happened. Yeah. You know, we sat at those legislative sessions, and I heard from a lot of legislators saying, yeah, it would be nice, but I don't know, I don't right. know. But what the... the key turning point on this was COVID money that came from the federal government that was funneled through the state yep. uh, into those CTE grants. So that uh, gotcha. funded area workforce academy is a direct result mm-hmm. of that. Uh, it was, it's a dream that's been a long time coming. Uh, but, you know, what we want to do is to create productive members of society. Uh, right. And when you provide those opportunities, that's where it begins. Yeah. So we're pretty proud of that. We, when you drive by where the new high school is going to be, the walls look enormous. The, the structures look huge. Yeah. And then you go and you drive north on the bypass and you look back and you're like, oh, there's even a football field in the back. It's just, it's a huge, sprawling campus. It's how, on about 60 acres. 60 acres. Wow. How, how does that compare to other high schools in the state? Uh, pretty close, I would say. I think we probably have more physical space. Uh, as far as the size, I think pretty mm-hmm. similar to Grand Forks, okay. Bismarck um, yeah. schools. Yeah, it's nice. You know, to have that football stadium up there, to have that 50-meter pool on site is going to be phenomenal. Beautiful theater in there. Um, I'm I'm just, you know, I never was that much of an athlete, but I was more in the music uh, end of things. Uh, It's going to be a beautiful facility uh, to have and to support our kids. So, um, again, it's all because of the generosity of the voters, and they they came forward with this, and uh, we listened to a lot of parents who said it's time <clears throat> to make a transition to a two comprehensive 912 high school system. And uh, a lot of people worked real hard on that. Uh, I was happy to be a part of it. So there's already been, from my understanding, a little bit of a transition that there's some sports activities that's taking place for the North North Hill High School. Um, is that open enrollment where you can choose which high school? Is it based off where you live in town? How does that work? Uh, we use a feeder system. 
uh, middle schools or elementaries feed into middle schools, middle schools feed into high school. Gotcha. So the uh, North Campus is going to have Ramstead students, Memorial Air Force Base middle school students, and then some of the students from Central Campus Middle School. Okay. Uh, everyone on the south side of town, Jim Hill, will go to Magic City, and then the majority of the kids who are at Central Middle School will also go to, to Magic City. So we're going to get some good in-town rivalry. You bet. That'll be, that'll be good. Yeah. That'll be a very exciting night. It will be. The first time those two football teams play or the two basketball yeah. teams. Or, yeah, it's, it's going to be phenomenal. And continuing on the open enrollment, something that somebody actually submitted to ask was, how does the open enrollment work with surrounding schools? If, if you live five miles out of town, are you able to go to Minot High? Or, and uh, would you be able to choose at that point? Yes, no, maybe so. Okay. Okay, we don't accept open enrollment. Open enrollment is a long-term agreement that would allow a child to come into our district. Mm -hmm. We do tuition waivers, which is okay. an agreement between us and a neighboring school district. They have to be done annually. Okay? okay. So if there's room, we can allow a student to come in from the outside mm -hmm. as long as both schools have to sign off on that. Okay. We've taken that route because, um, you know, if you bring in too many kids from the outside and you need to build more space, then pretty soon it's the minor patrons that are supporting and paying for that. Right. So kids from other school districts can be educated. Right. So we have a pretty good working relationship with Nedro, South Prairie, Surrey, and we yeah. work that out on a, on a regular basis. But yeah, um, there are guidelines and boundaries that are set by law, and we right. follow that pretty closely unless yeah. we follow the provision of the waiver. Right. Very good. Very good. We're coming to a close in this interview, but I want to focus a little bit on how the environment in schools have changed. Um, you've seen a lot in your time. You've even pointed out that it's a little bit cyclical where things that used to be are coming back in, um, kind of like style and suits and everything else, I guess. But uh, something that probably can't go unnoticed is how kids have changed. At the core, they're still kids, and how parents have changed um, in the last, last 30 years. What kind of effects have you seen – uh, in this in school when you're working with parents in the parent-teacher conferences, the feedback you're getting from parents, um, and even with the impact of technology that has entered the school, what have you seen? Well, number one, technology has created an environment where people want to answer and they want it now. Right. And, you know, and I keep thinking back in my years at Magic City Campus where, you know, you have a kid that's on the line, they might not graduate, they need to pass government or they don't pass government, they're not going to graduate. And so they know the kid has a test on Friday right. at 10 o'clock, and they're online checking at 1020 to see why isn't that score in there yet. Right. So there's more immediacy with that. Um, with that, I think there's more need and desire for parents for us to be in constant communication. And we have some communication platforms that allow us to text parents and right. notify parents. Um, so the communication piece is big. Um I think parents in general, you know, more involved in the elementary, less involved in middle school, disengaged somewhat maybe in the secondary ranks unless they need to be. And that's all part mm -hmm. of, you know, kids are built to fly. Right. So we raise them, want them to take and deal with their own issues. Um, but, you know, parents, uh, parents are parents and kids right. are kids and we're, yeah. we're school people. So. Right. Like I said the bottom line is you treat everybody with respect, you treat them with kindness, uh, and you work through situations because we don't have crises nearly as much as we have opportunities to work together. Right. So parent comes in, they want to meet with me, 
Have they met with their child's teacher, the principal, and then the assistant superintendent for elementary or secondary okay. before they get to me? Yeah, follow uh, the process. We, that's the way we want it to be, right? Right. We want to take care of those problems at the very um, basic point. Uh, and when that doesn't happen, then our doors are open to try to work through things. But, right. Uh, you know, we, we have an issue in this world right now, I think, with just um, kindness. Right. And, and treating people with respect. So my take on it is treat people the way you want to be treated. Right. right? And, and work that through. And when we do that, we can usually find resolve on issues. Absolutely. You mentioned a little bit of technology and how that's affecting communication, stuff like that. How does that also affect the kids? We're seeing a rise in chat GPT. That's yeah. a buzzword, AI, another buzzword. Um, how is that starting to affect education? Have you seen that effect yet? I'm hearing more from my friends at the collegiate level about okay. concerns with that. Um, we've not had a lot of concern brought forward yet at the secondary level, and of course at elementary, not as much. Um, one of the biggest concerns we do face in regard to that is this whole thing about social media and right. you know how we communicate and how we you know when, whether it's a Snapchat or whatever. You know, despite all we know about technology, we still have kids that think, well, if I send it in Snapchat, it disappears in right. 30 seconds. Yeah. And once it's opened, it's gone. Well, anybody that screenshots that, now there's a permanent record there. Right. Um, so I think a lot of that, what we have to work on is more of an emphasis on whether it's ChatGPT or, a, yep. you know, the artificial intelligence piece. Um, we got to educate people on the realities of right. all of that. So right. Awareness. Um, you know, whether it's um, pictures taken of yourself and sent or whatever, that you know, we, we need people to understand that not everything just goes away. Right. And there's no way that you could stop something that's floating out there. Right, yeah. Once it's online. It, it's it, online. It, it's there to stay. That's right. So what does retirement actually mean to you? Boy, I, I don't... I, I'm a little scared to think about it. Uh, I've been working, like... All my life. I, I, I ranch with my sons up in Botano County, Biomimi, okay. uh, Willow City area. Um, I know they certainly think I need to be up there to do some more <laughs> chores than I've been yeah. doing the last few years. Uh, they also farm. I can help okay. out with that a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm looking at some things. I'm not done working yet. But right. a wise friend of mine um, said many years ago, you're going to know when it's time. Right. And it's time. It's time. Yeah. I've been doing this for a long time. And it's time for somebody else to come in with a new perspective and yeah. a new look. And uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But I'll Very be good. doing something. You'll yeah. see me around. We'll find you. Well, do appreciate you coming on this episode today. Any parting words of wisdom or knowledge that you need to leave with us? Yeah. You know, I just want to say uh, to John Sandine, who was the principal of Magic City Campus, and Dick Larson, who was superintendent in 2002. Arlen Marquardt uh, was assistant suit back in those years. And thanks for taking a chance on me back in 2002. Right. A young guy from Willow City that came in and was applying for a job in a pretty big high school. And, uh, yeah. you know, we've had our ups and our downs. We've had a lot of great things uh, happen. But all in all, um, I feel pretty blessed right. to be here for 22 years. And thanks to the community of Minot, uh, it's... Uh, it's been quite a ride, but it's been great. Been great. Well, that's fantastic. Again, thank you for all the work that you've done in the community, uh, and for the, the really the sacrifice. It's not seen sometimes as that, but really there is a great measure of sacrifice of all the hours, time that you can spend with your family. So, 
Very appreciative to that, and thank you for coming on this podcast today. This has been another episode of Mind Up Matters here on The Decoded, brought to you by Shock Safe and Lock. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube at My Decoded or follow us on Facebook at My Decoded. Also, this podcast is on your favorite podcast player, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you listen to, so you can listen to it there. Thank you, and have a great day.